Oh, hey, Matt Christmas, Paul Giamatti. Listen, I uh, just wanted to thank you for your kind words and saying I'm the total package. I really appreciate it. You're the total package, too. You're something special. Hey, did you finish all the coffee? Uh, no, there's... there was a... a little bit left. I'm saving that. Okay, I'm sorry. You took that? No, I just... Uh... You know what? You think you're the fucking package? Uh -huh. You're not the fucking package. Save the coffee for the people. Matt Christman thinks I'm the package. Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> Cannot use multiple slurp juices on a single aid. <laughs> so He's doing misinformation. So that's so that's how like Crypto Black Friday happened. <laughs> Everybody was Black Monday, multiple, yeah. multiple slurp juices. So wait, if you try to slurp an ape multiple times, it'll just like open some phishing program. Yes, it'll your like entire brick wallet. your entire account and take the apes from you because you're not supposed to do that. Oh man, that's awesome. Uh, I was like, I was getting, I was getting sick of that, uh, like that whole like meme, but yeah, the idea that someone killed themselves because they like slurped multiple apes <laughs> is like, I mean, it's not good, but you, if it didn't happen to someone, you know, you'd be like, that's pretty funny. And Absolutely. even if it did in five years, you'd be like, okay, that was like a hilarious way for my, I mean, honestly, die. you might end up having a few laughs, laughs at the funeral with other friends of theirs. Like, Legit. I, I believe yeah. what a fucking moron this guy was. I have had people I love die in ways that are like not as ridiculous um, and laughed at it years later. Just because yeah. you, you have to accept that in life. And if someone imagine if your dad was like a normal like office worker yeah. and he like he just jumped out of his window like a stockbroker during the Great Depression before the Great Depression because of the slurp juices. Like he just <laughs> they just fished your family's entire savings. Your dad's like, "Ooh, I can I can turn my uh, my monkey who's wearing a propeller cap into a, a fucking monkey astronaut." <laughs> And then he's just well, dead. Yeah. He's just a gore photo now. <laughs> no, now now he's he's literally God. slurped. He's literally slurped juice on the fucking asphalt. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is a suffice to say uh, the Ben McKenzie interview. Um, extremely timely because uh, what is it? Uh, like uh, like some of the stable coins are now like worth less than a penny or something like that. Yeah. Which is, that's not what you want out of something called a stable coin. I don't know much. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like that's the opposite uh, of what you're looking for. But good yeah. news, though. Good news, though. Our boy, probably the most visionary world leader of our times right now, Bukele in El Salvador. Yeah, they're buying the dip. Oh, they're yeah. The dip. <laughs> Let's go, dude. Let's fucking go. Um, that we, we were saying before the episode, this is the first time we've ever done like an interview or like a, a you know, singular topic episode where, you know, we did the episode and 40 minutes later, like the, the everything about it is invalidated. Like, yeah. Usually what happens is like, yeah, we'll talk to Derek about Ukraine. And it'll be like, oh, yeah, well, we don't like think Russia is going to like push towards Kiev. And then they do. Like yeah. literally, literally, like Russia sees us upload the episode, and they're like, "Fuck you, <laughs> <laughs> fuck you, fuck this episode, <laughs> fuck the Google Doc you guys made." But no, this was we did a topical episode, and it like everything we talked about. Well, really, that like Ben talked about happened. Yeah, and, and as he was saying it, it was being brought into life. 
Yeah, like he's a kid for the Twilight Zone episode. (laughs) (laughs) All the apes are getting sent to the cornfield right now. All the apes and ape holders. (laughs) All my my life's gone. (laughs) Unlike the the Derek Davison episode, we're like, okay, we publish it, and then I'm in my hotel room, and I'm like, damn, hotel room Shark Tank be hitting different. And then I get like a a billion replies of like, Kiev has fallen. <laughs> yeah. Russian tanks have crossed the border. Why are you tweeting about this? <laughs> that was man, like when they write the uh, the book for like fathers about the war, you know, like a Bill O'Reilly style book. Yeah, it's like the the Red Czar's Gambit, <laughs> the Stalinist Gambit. Uh, yeah, that will be. It'll be about how like I had just set up my PS5 in my hotel room. <laughs> And then every, um, everyone's like, fuck you. And you I'm know, like, like, what? <laughs> and I feel like every time we do an episode about crypto, like there's always a few people who are really mad at us that we just still don't get it. And that like, you know, every, everything we're saying is wrong. We haven't done the research. And I just I want to be clear here. We did not mention it on the Ben McKenzie episode, but I want to be clear here. I do understand and support the legitimate use of crypto to buy drugs through the mail. Of course. Yes. Yeah. What they always should have been, and honestly, will always be like that's value for crypto. It's utility. That's a real thing. What happened though is that something that started as utility, a lot of people looked at, realized, oh, this can also be a, a financial scam. This can also be another zone of speculative investment that I can get on the ground floor of, and and it could also, and as soon as that happened, it creates this like parallel reality and a, and a whole new set of actors we're totally uh, fixated on this thing along the axis of how can I get, how can I scam people into thinking that this shit has value? Uh, and meanwhile, people are doing the thing you're supposed to be doing with it in the background the whole time, you know, uh, 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 getting their uh, drugs from the internet, uh, all that kind of stuff. And now it'll go back to that hopefully, but we'll see. Cause you know, once again, even if crypto crashes and all that value is destroyed and the slurp juice tanks are empty, <laughs> Uh, there's still nowhere for this fucking money to go. You know, there's nowhere to profitably invest it in the real economy. So like, you know, yeah. need to find some fully intangible uh, uh, speculative horizon is still exists. Like, and yeah, like, so I, I do understand the utility for crypto for, you know, what, what it's legitimate intended purpose, which is, you know, buying, buying drugs through the mail. I just, I don't know, maybe I need to do more research, but I don't think there's much utility in it being a competitor for the dollar for the global reserve currency. No. Or, or, that the U- or, or, that, no. or that, like, you know, the, the U.S. <laughs> Treasury should be turned over to apes. You know what? Yeah, you know, actually, what, you know what's interesting, though? Because I remember when fucking crypto hit. I remember, like, looking at it. I remember making fun of it at the time. Of course, you know, if, any of, if I'd had some and I'd held on to it for a while, you know, oh my God, like anyone, anyone, I think that's what got a lot of people. It was when it hit 60,000 was that moment of reckoning when people realized how much money was on the table there for a while. And of course now like for so many people who got into it, got into it after that point and have only lost money because it's only gone down since then. Uh, but when crypto came up, came up, it was, yes, this thing that people were using to do illicit transactions And people were pitching this as liberatory. And, you know, hey, it is. The government says you can't buy this. This is letting you buy it. It's it's enlarging freedom. But before anybody was talking about it as an investment, they were talking about it as, yes, an alternative to uh, fiat. And 
eventually the idea that it could challenge dollar hegemony really went away and was replaced by the idea that you can use this to make money. And you can see there like the death of the utopian, the death of the political, right? Which starts when like, you know, cause Bitcoin is started off as like this libertarian political project. And there was a dream that, Hey, we're going to challenge cap uh, capitalism from outside of itself, you know, and do it better and, and undermine all of its, uh, foundations of exploitation and inequity that are built into it. But it got swallowed by, by investors. By, and as soon as it became tied completely to the U.S. dollar, to the point where, you know, people said it was a hedge against inflation or whatever, it just goes up and down with the stock market in total sync, uh, sync. synchronicity. Yeah, in total synchronicity. That fantasy went away because people realized, oh, we can't beat them. We can't fight them. Well, then our only political uh, act we can we're left with is try to get rich try to avoid uh, uh being the subject of this system that is just not stopping in its uh, total exploitation and immiseration of the population get out of the the way get out of the path of like the coming bulldozer by by getting money for yourself and that is now the only political project that anybody could really believe in yeah i've been really um i mean it's a very obvious conclusion i think anyone could have seen this coming right where regardless of how much you talk about decentralization or it's like it's somehow both a new type of money the world's greatest speculative vehicle and the millennial and even gen z answer to the boomers uh real estate and uh post-industrialization financial portfolio wealth uh it could have never been all of those things i don't know if it could have even in one uh but the second that it, it it became more real where there were actually like well capitalized firms and hedge funds and entire companies built around this concept basically built around like bitcoin speculation it became very obvious that people were going to be able to do things like you know what george soros did to asian tiger economies yeah in the 90s or yeah like he or you know, to use him again as an example, uh, someone compared what happened to uh, Tether. Tether? Uh, it was the other stablecoin that was linked to the dollar. Luna? Luna? I think Luna, it was the it was the version of Tether done by the Luna guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. But anyway, like, I saw a thread actually, like, comparing what eventually happened to that coin to what Soros did to the Bank of England. And it's, I mean, who knows who did it at this point? But it's like it it could be like BlackRock. It could be fucking uh, like Blackstone. It could be any one of these companies. I think has, I saw like, a, like, yeah, I saw some indication that it might have been BlackRock. Yeah, it, but it could be any single company that has access to like, you know, one hundred billion dollars and then 10 times that in leverage that can easily just completely break the back of, uh, you know, a, a currency with like a billion dollars in, ca- in uh, market cap or 10 billion or 100 billion, theoretically. And it just no one was prepared for this. And it, it, if they knew it could happen, they just they, they did the usual like crypto bluster. Like they would they did the thing where they consciously are emulating uh, Leonardo DiCaprio from Wolf of Wall Street. The real guy, <laughs> the real guy who is banned <laughs> for just lying, lying about securities and all the people that put their entire life savings into it. were like, yes, we're all him. And it's like, no, you're the people that Jordan Belfort scammed or 
or it was, you know, they, they, they if they weren't replying with gifts, they were, the argument was, no, you don't get it. Um, the, 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 the math we did for this is so good that it doesn't matter if, <laughs> you know, people who have been doing this their entire lives spend a trillion dollars just cracking me open like a nut. <laughs> my, my, my math problem is so good. It's just not going to happen. It happened. It happened, pal. I'm just uh, Jordan Belfort, uh, just like uh, addressing a room of glassy eyed New Zealanders. Sell me this ape. It's uh, quite a good ape. It's uh, wearing a monocle. Smoking uh, <laughs> a pipe of some kind. Uh, by no, the but, way, like, uh, by the way, that, sorry, he, he's in crypto now. Yeah, no, that's, of yeah, course no, he yeah. is. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, but like man, Felix, your point about like the the crypto bluster, like like as as, as this phenomenon, um, uh, like like uh, ran its course from being a you know a a promoted idea about a new currency, i.e. like a new mode of sort of like social exchange and relations that was like liberatory, that could free people from, you know, central banking and create wealth and like protect wealth in a way that, uh, that the traditional modes of finance haven't been able to do so. As, as that evaporated, then like you said, like we talked about this at Ben a little bit, like the, the bluster changes. So it's not about changing the world or any kind of like dream of like liberating people from you know, debt or uh, like, you know, like, like central banking. It just became about have fun being poor, loser. And, you know, I got to say, but a lot of those people now are wearing fucking barrels and suspenders right now. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, what can you say about it? I mean, it's just like, look, money for nothing, chicks for free. It's the dream. It's what we all want. But sometimes, I, you know, I don't know. It's just the... Uh, it's just like the hope of the of, of using this like uh you know like finding like a, a security to like liberate humanity. Uh, I think we're seeing the results of that right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is. I think like uh, Schadenfreude is. It, it's always going to be funny, right? Like I, I will never moralize anyone doing it, and it's especially going to be funny when some of the people involved, um, I, I guess, really did believe, like in their heart of hearts. They like they, they were gonna live in Elysium, and the rest of us were just gonna be we we were gonna be wearing barrels and suspenders. We we're gonna be fighting over yeah. like rat rat meat on Earth. <laughs> they were they were gonna live in satellites. Uh, but as it happens, and you know, this is another thing we talked about with Ben. I think it, it really seems like a lot of the people that got fucked the most, uh, were just yeah, they were people who were like trapped in shitty jobs who wanted out of them, or they right. were middle-class people who felt like they you know fell behind in just the the grand march of life that they weren't where their parents were at at a similar age it's just in america there are just so many people who all everything appears fine but they're two left turns or one left turn away from fucking complete catastrophe and uh this was that catastrophe for a lot of people uh well um i actually you know who's suffering because of crypto right now our swagged out mayor Eric Adams. Um, oh yeah, he's never he got right. there because uh, he he was he said he would take his paycheck in in Bitcoin, and I think Bitcoin taxes, was like forty percent higher. <laughs> uh, to, like adjusted for like the taxes he's paying on his paycheck, I think Eric Adams is now making negative six hundred dollars to be mayor of New York. Yeah. Okay. Bitcoin was at like forty thousand when he said he was doing it, and it closed at what like 
or it didn't close, but it was like twenty five thousand yesterday. That's it's gonna like, close yeah. at zero. That, that's what we're gonna <laughs> yeah. we're headed yeah. towards. I mean, when, we don't know how many more uh, cycles are left in this thing, but uh, it, it has one story because once it hits zero, unlike something that's backed by like a real uh, like fundamental business, there's no there's no pump to get the money back in once it hits zero because there's no asset. I have I have an idea. Um, I'm gonna invent a new. I'm gonna invent a stable coin that's gonna. It's not going to fix all this, but it will be like the most stable coin in history. And it'll be kind of like the backbone of the market. And, you know, my thinking here is that well, what do we know about Bitcoin, right? Everyone knows how it works. Um, the blockchain. What's the blockchain? The blockchain is all the math equations that have more than two letters in them. It's all of those. But how about what if we had a coin that was backed up by good old fashioned math, math that we all understand? I'm inventing the Felix coin that's backed up by, please excuse my dear Aunt Sally. <laughs> <laughs> everyone can figure it out. It's like, look, it's right in the name. It's right in the name. <laughs> to, mint, to, to mint a new Felix coin, you need to solve the following equation. Yeah. <laughs> 13 minus 7 equals. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that's. Those are the only math problems in there. It does not get more complicated than that. That is the only only value link to our coin and that's that's the genius of it everyone can do the math and when blackrock buys a trillion dollars of uh you know whatever they do however they're going to try to break the felix coin we're just going to get together and do please excuse my dear and sally problems and they'll be like damn this coin's too strong the science is too tight (laughs) (laughs) absolutely gone off that coin yeah Well, uh, it's, I guess I guess to move on briefly from um, the, the the coin calamity that we're all experiencing right now, uh, here's something a little bit more I don't know down to earth uh, crisis that America is currently facing. Uh, I, I, apparently, we've run out of um, uh, infant baby formula for infants. Like, there's no more. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> so there's no more formula. Oh, Weird. For, Weird how uh, that happens. And once again, we can only have. Uh, Brandon to blame for this. He went to the factory. Uh, he thought he was in the men's room. He pissed in the vats. It contaminated it. Once again, let's go, Brandon. Yeah. Man, 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 you, you, you got formula that comes right out of here. You know what? <laughs> put your mouth, put your mouth, put your mouth on the thing. You wouldn't believe how it happened either. How this occurred? Oh yeah, <laughs> totally unpredictable. Yeah. Apparently, the, the the company that's manufacturing this stuff in huge amounts. Uh, neglected for years to pay to repair any of the machinery that was just collecting colonies of bacteria to turn into <laughs> superbugs because they had to do stock buybacks. Okay, so yeah, so as a result of that, um, babies don't have food anymore in America. Like in yeah. infants, in, unless you're unless you're be, capable of being breastfed, uh, which is good. You're, you're out of luck. Are, but some you're are. You're out of luck. You're out of luck. You're gonna have to. <laughs> you're gonna have to <laughs> feed your kid Gatorade or something. <laughs> Yeah. It's got electrolytes. It's got it's, it's you Listen. know it's good stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah. Everyone yelled at me for giving my kid Sprite. Who's the asshole now? He's used to it. Is your kid used to it now? <laughs> yeah, he's gonna. Yeah. It's like those Kenyan runners who tread yeah. at high altitudes. <laughs> yeah, he's am I lose everybody because he's the only one whose body has evolved to like uh, to take nutrients out of corn slurry and, and yellow <laughs> dye number five. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, David David was drinking Sprite from the day he was born. And okay, who's the worst parent in Upper Manhattan now? Not me because I moved. <laughs> I'm no longer town and country's worst father in the Upper West Side. So yeah, the, 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 the fact that um, there's no more baby formula in America. And, and here's the thing. I don't know if you guys saw this today, but I believe uh, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene was on the floor of uh, Congress um, highlighting the fact that um, America has run out of uh, you know baby formula for infants, but um, is sending forty billion dollars to uh, fund a war in Ukraine right now. And I know, like, look, she doesn't believe in this shit. Like, she does, she does not want to make anything better. She, she does not. She does not care about babies, um, you know, dying of starvation or whatever. But it's a bad sign when that dingbat is like you were seeding this issue of there's no uh, there's no formula for babies in america but 40 billion dollars for more weapons to fund a war in another country that has nothing yeah. to do with us oh my god it gives me such a fucking 2016 feeling when the dumbest piece of shit in the world says something like that and you're like well dude like what can you even say that's completely fucking right like for the most part they've been the republican side has been pretty smart about this i have as always i've seen a few accounts that are like you know the the based godly mom being like, ladies, why don't you just breastfeed your kids, you stupid bitches? <laughs> just like all these women like explaining why they, they you know you can't always do that. But for the most part, uh, they they have been as smart as uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, just like just just getting into it. I mean, like I know we, we talked about um, crypto on Monday, and we opened the show talking about it. But I mean, like, look. I mean, like, we haven't forgot about, you know, uh, abortion and Roe v. Wade, because, like, uh, I want to talk about that for a bit, because, I mean, this is the other, like, you know, major nightmare that this country is living in right now. And I just think it's fascinating that, like, when when the draft got leaked, the story was not that, like, you know, <laughs> Sam Alito, Brett Kavanaugh and company are about to, like, overturn 50, year, 50 years of precedent. And, you know, like in, in, against the wishes of probably 70 percent of this country, it was about the leak itself. And that's the story. And everyone is like sort of debating over whether it's good or bad that someone leaked this draft and damaged the, uh, I don't know, prestige or uh, confidentiality or integrity of the Supreme Court. Now, a week later, the issue is, is it OK to protest in front of the houses of the people who are doing this? Because, like, you know, I mean, I, people uh, were yelling outside uh, Kavanaugh's house. And I feel like the whole, like, news cycle this week, and it's funny, like, it seems quaint and almost ridiculous to talk about politics in terms of, like, I don't know, controlling the narrative or just, like, how to, how to manage the news cycle. Because I feel like we're moving out of an era in which those things are really necessary or worth talking about. But it is pretty amazing that like the democrats started out by saying like yes like you know people are allowed to protest this is america then one protest happens and then like the next day they're apologizing for violence that didn't even happen yeah that was that was fucking incredible <laughs> like okay should you be allowed to protest in the in front of the homes of politicians for a start i would think <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's a great bare minimum. And I guess like I just want to just dip into the uh, the Washington Post's editorial board because I mean like uh, they they were the ones who um, uh, laid out the idea that um, uh, the headline here is leave the justices alone at home. We've been leaving them alone. I don't think anyone has been left more alone 
for yeah. like the past 40 years. It's his Supreme Court justices. I don't, there's like nothing they can't do. And the question is like, you know, for the, uh, the vast majority of America that is, um, you know, outraged and sickened by uh, this state of affairs that like, you know, very basic human rights could just be removed by, you know, unelected judges, uh, I don't know, five of whom were appointed by presidents who didn't even win the fucking popular vote. Uh, like, you know, like, okay, so like, well, well, like what, what can you do if you're angry about that decision? And well, the answer is, well, okay, protest in front of the Supreme Court, it's now cordoned off by like a, like a security barrier of like 12 foot tall steel gates. But then if you go to these people's houses, like that's beyond the pale too, because I don't know, like their kids may be home or like that or like here, look, this, is, this is what the Washington Post says. The right to assemble and speak freely is essential to democracy. Erasing any distinction between the public square and private life is essential to totalitarianism. I mean, you think like erasing the difference between the public sphere and private life is exactly what this decision just did. That's fairly totalitarian. But going on, it, it is crucial, therefore, to protect robust demonstrations of political dissent while preventing them from turning into harassment or intimidation. An issue that illuminates this imperative in sharp belief is residential picketing. Protests against the actions or decisions of public officials at their homes, such as the recent noisy abortion rights demonstrations at the Montgomery County dwellings of Supreme Court Chief Justice John Roberts and Justice Brett Kavanaugh. The disruptors wanted to voice opposition to a possible overruling of Roe v. Wade, as foreshadowed by a leaked majority draft opinion last week. What they mainly succeeded in doing was to illustrate that their goal, with which we broadly agree, does not justify their tactics. So, like, what tactics would be justified here if you're the Washington Post editorial board and you agree that uh, Roe v. Wade shouldn't be overturned? Like, what tactics would be justified in response to this? I think they would say that you're supposed to go vote. Right. But like, uh, for, like, for who? Like, uh, <laughs> well, for people who will uh, reverse it uh, with legislation. That's what you're supposed to do. OK. But like, I mean, I don't know. And there was like the Susan Collins thing is that she like called the cops because someone like wrote on chalk in front of her sidewalk, like, you know, protect a woman's right to choose or something like that. And it's just like, yeah, I mean, what do you like? What do you even say about something like this? Because like uh, the Supreme Court has held that you can, for instance, protest and intimidate people in front of an abortion clinic like that's private property. I mean, like that speech isn't constrained. But if you bring the, your anger to the door and again, like I would like to stress here, like no absolutely no violence occurred at all but it just merely to like bring your anger directly to the, the the door front of the people who are doing this thing which like i said absolutely <laughs> like inserts the you know uh like the the law into like the private sphere of medical decisions between a woman her doctor and her family which does seem to me yes, pretty but totalitarian. It's through the proper channels it's through legal channels it's not extra electoral or legislative like because that's that, that at the end of the day, cannot be uh, legitimated because that invalidates the uh, the procedures that these people worship, literally worship. Like they do, they don't believe in God, they, but they do believe in these things. This class of them do anyway. Uh, he says the protests are part of a disturbing trend in which groups descend on the homes of people they disagree with and attempt to influence their public conduct by making their private lives and often those of their families and neighbors miserable. Those targeted in recent years include not just the conservative justices, but also Senate Majority Leader Charles Schumer, Mayor Ted Wheeler of Portland, Oregon, and exiled Chinese dissident Teng Bao. To be sure, such tactics have a longer history. One of the ugliest manifestations was the anti-abortion movement's widespread deployment of pickets at the homes of abortion providers, which, yeah, like the Supreme Court has, has upheld as like they have a right to do that. 
But like again, now if you're opposed to that, you're not allowed to pick at the homes of, like the you know like fucking Brett Kavanaugh because it's an intimidation. You're Brett, they're supposed to just go into their chamber and draw from the ether the the Constitution's intent through like they're they're guild navigators. You got to keep them in their tank. <laughs> go up to the tank and start banging on it. It'll get them upset, and they're not going to be able to to fully fold space. Yeah, I mean essentially, yeah. If you are pro-choice, you should not be allowed to do anything that pro-life people are specifically told is okay to do. That, that's the whole thing here. What says here, to, uh, to pick at a judge's home is especially problematic. It tries to bring direct public pressure to bear on a decision-making process that must be controlled, evidence-based, and rational if there is any hope of an independent judiciary. Critics of reversing Roe maintain defensively that to overturn such a longstanding precedent would itself violate core judicial principles. Yet, if basic social consensus and the rule of law are to be sustained, and if protesters wish to maximize their own persuasiveness, demonstrations against even what might what many might regard as illegitimate rulings must respect the rights of others, and they must be lawful. It, okay, like if you are a Supreme Court justice with a lifetime appointment, which vests you with godlike authority over the lives of everyone else in the country, I'm sorry, being made to be even intimidated in your home or place of residence is a small price to pay for exercising that authority, especially if you do it in a way that contravenes the, um, the democratic will of the vast majority of people in this country. Right, but I mean, if that's the case, though, if it's like if this is the price that they have to pay for it, and you're right, it is a small price, then. What's the efficacy of doing it in the first place? If like Good the point. worst you can imagine is that it makes them just sort of annoyed at the like a slightly more annoyed with their job, like added to the annoyances of like, you know, the fact that Thomas farts during deliberations or that, you know, that they don't they don't have enough uh, different types of Keurig cups in, in the break room. It's just another annoyance like that. That seems to be like the most people can imagine getting out of protesting is just making these people uncomfortable. And yeah, that is, it's not bad to do that, but does it do anything other than that? And I think the one meaningful uh, thing that you can pull out of this concern trolling that is mostly bad faith bullshit from DC lanyard bedwetters is they say things like you wouldn't want it if this happened to your people. And of course the response is the right does this anyway. It's often legally protected. Uh, and doing it to Supreme Court justices isn't going to make them do it because they're already doing it. But, you know, escalating uh, demonstrations, if you want to get to a point where you're not just annoying them, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, it becomes an event that then politics starts to revolve around. And that means that it is likely to invite an escalation. And again, Escalating conflict with the right is not something you can avoid. And that's what liberals fantasize about, that they can curl up in a ball and it'll go away. But it is also something that you have to be ready for. And are the people who want to protest, I just asked, I don't know the answer to this. Are the people who go to protest or want to or support protests against uh, at Supreme Court justices' homes, are they ready for that escalation? Do they know what they would do other than uh, uh, post about it and say hell world? Well, I well, think because if that's I, the answer, then you got to wonder what is really happening here. Well, I think that's that 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 is that's yeah, that's the entire question, right? I think that this goes back to something we talked about like a few weeks ago, and this was before the decision was leaked. We talked about the idea that like pretty consistently, 
when the right goes like too crazy, when they piss off, you know, you run out of people that independent voters don't give a shit about, or you run out of things they don't give a shit about. You eventually piss everyone off with the upping the anti-social issue shit. You, it always happens on a long enough timeline. That is not to say that progress is always inevitable and always moves forward in the same way and same rate. But just in American politics, the right wing of like of culture stuff will always end up pissing people off. And then, you know, the cycle restarts. Everything that was once very reliable doesn't seem quite reliable anymore. And part of that's terrifying, right? Because that means that, well, maybe they could, they could do that. They could piss everyone off on a shorter timeline. They could, they could overreach in a quicker and more dramatic way than they have in the last 20 years. And, you know, people are so checked out and right, rightfully, uh, pessimistic about institutions and politics that there is no response. There's no, there's no backlash mechanism. The other thing though is that maybe, maybe, maybe what that means is that for once there isn't this dance where the the backlash mechanism is much more muted than the mechanism that caused it maybe that maybe that does mean that like yeah the the uh liberals who are still wearing infinity scarves and posting john fugel saying memes maybe that means that they are start that they're starting to get ready to act like french protesters maybe I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I saw something really interesting from a friend who lives in Texas the other day, and this isn't related to Roe v. Wade, but I think it's part of a larger picture that normal, not even like really like that liberal or that like engaged people in Texas are getting incredibly sick of like James Lindsay type people coming to their kids' schools and just fucking pissing everyone off that like just the basic bargain of Republican administration in Texas is falling apart, that there is this, they are prompting the backlash at a quicker rate. The question is, though, is are they prepared to do what Matt talks about? Which is not, this is this does not mean like gritty fucking guillotine, blah, blah, blah. Think more France. I don't know. I mean, I would, I would guess not, just knowing America. But again... You, you you cannot reliably predict anything like that anymore. I think like uh, t- to Matt's point, it's just like whether you protest or not, the escalation is going to happen. And like whether you, whether you are uh, uh, civil to your opponents or not, the right it will not affect what the right wing is going to do regardless. I but I think like what I, I mean like I, and I don't know like what the grand strategy here or tactics or like even the uh, uh, protesting has any efficacy at all anymore but i think with something like this like what whatever happens as a result of it like what what, where where it begins is where like what do people do with their anger and even if it is something just like as 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 sort of symbolic as just morale and standing up for like your dignity or just like sort of like reassuring yourself that like you are not alone in in this fear and anger well, then, like, you know, like th- that is, I think, like what if, if like if, if nothing else, what what protests are, uh, accomplish. And like like I said, like if at the end of the day, all you've done is make Brett Kavanaugh annoyed or maybe you have to go sleep at a hotel for a night. Well, then, like, yeah, that's pretty fucking depressing considering what what he did to everyone else. But like, I mean, it's just people's anger has got to go somewhere. And like the escalation is going to happen regardless of whether you express it or not.
hey, none of these people even getting inconvenienced. I just hope that there's an understanding that, you know, if we're all coming to the realization that there is no neutral, uh, non-political sphere that we can uh, enter and then uh, uh, count on protections from, from, you know, uh, people expressing political differences uh, through without the channels of, you know, democratic ritual, that then you can't go on expecting it to be there, which is, I think, a real disconnect. There's a lot of people like in their rhetoric and in their political uh, self-identity have absorbed that, that, that this space, you know, that never existed is, is dead. Uh, but that they kind of keep acting. I think we all kind of keep acting like, like it's going to hold, even though we know for a fact that every pillar of it has been totally undermined in front of us by one group of people who is not just aware that it's gone, but acts like it's gone. And that is the fundamental asymmetry between the broad sides here. Um, but like, Felix, you keep bringing up uh, French protesters. I mean, yes. like France, like if they if it, like if the like the, when the Macron government like suggests um, adding one day to like the work calendar, every car in Paris is like on fire. Yeah. I, and like, okay, I mean, like, look, and I'm not trying to like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, again, I'm not doing like, you know, guillotine shit or like sort of like uh, glibly encouraging people to engage in violence at protests because like, you know, like that, <laughs> that, that leads to like, you know, like that you will not achieve your goals or whatever. But the point is French politicians, like when they do something to piss off the French people, regardless, like th- th- there's a cost to be paid in terms of public anger directed at them and even fear held in the hearts of the people doing it themselves and just look what the french people have to show for it as opposed to what we have to show for it well that the, the fun but there is like a cultural difference there that makes imagining that in america pretty difficult yeah R- right i mean well what i was gonna say is like yeah we i i think france is like that is like the most desired political culture for a lot of what we want in the immediate right i think yeah as matt says there is um hundreds of years of history and very just innate uh differences that can cannot be cannot be ignored that keep us from being like that uh or keep us from entirely being like that even in the best or worst of conditions but um i don't know i I was thinking even of like the uk like the uk sucks and they have been getting more like us over time but there's still like they're like shitty politicians still seem to fear voters in some way that is still inconceivable to us as Americans. And if the French example is like too too hard to imagine for us here, the UK example is like I mean it's pathetic to say because in the in the grand scheme of things, they also don't have enough fear of their people. Even if we just if we had that level that they have, things would be immeasurably better. I mean, I, I honestly think it's kind of a chicken and egg situation because I think the reason that like some of their institutions are a little stronger and that maybe some leaders and some electeds there are a little more afraid is that there's a little bit more of a guarantee for the average person than in America. There's a little bit more of a guarantee. You, there's, you can't fall quite as far. Your life can't get quite as fucked up, it seems. It, it can absolutely be fucked up and destroyed but there's at least some fucking net to catch you and some some social contract uh 
in America, there is none. And it, it, it just seems to cause a lack of, I mean, for lack of a better term, a lack of self-respect at large. Yeah. So I do think, I do think that is getting better though. I will say that I do think Americans are showing more self-respect, I guess, than I've seen in like the last 30 years. Well, that's what we're talking about is like, it it is a question of self-respect and the words you use are like fear and intimidation, right? Mm Because at the end of the day, it's just like, how much can you be intimidated? Like, like how much fear can be like, just like shoveled onto your life by judges, politicians, CEOs, whatever, without them, without, without you ever getting the sense that like the people doing it to you fear even feel even a moment's dis- discomfort. Yeah. And like, look, I mean like, and then like, but, but you know, like it's questions like this is like, well then, well then when do you get like where you're just like, just encouraging people to do violence or whatever, which, which I'm not doing here, but like it, at a certain level, it does come down to like who is being made to feel fear and who lives their life without any, any expectation that they will feel even an ounce of the same. Right. I mean, similar to the question of escalation, someone is already being made to feel fear. It is everyone else. Just like, will the liberals escalate against the conservatives? Will the other side feel fear? I don't know. I mean, like, history, modern history of America tells me no. Um, Our increasing inability to judge future performance out of the past tells me I don't know. Like I said, like it, 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 it has to start somewhere because like, you know, like just, just like it's a question of like just just how much can, can, can people be made to, to bear and put up with? And like I said, like if past if the past is any indicator, then the answer is a lot, a lot yeah. and more and more to come. And then it's just a question of like, like this is a key component. Like, well, why isn't American culture like French culture when it comes to like political protest and the things that we're willing to fight for? I don't know. I mean, like, I don't know. Like centuries of difference but like also like just just how fucking demoralized people are because like they've never felt that they had any ability to make the assholes ruining their lives feel afraid for even a second and like for generations now have no hope whatsoever or, or just believe that that's indecent that like you know like i i can be intimidated and have my rights taken away but like if if if, if, if i uh, pr- project even the like the you know unstrategic spastic like you know outpouring of rage directed directly at the people doing it that that like that's makes me look bad and like just just how much of your own dignity can you swallow and i like like i said the answer is like a lot and more to come but that may not be the case anymore i mean i, I don't know it's just, it's it's an open question and i don't know what the answer is yeah i mean that that is kind of the genius of the design of this whole thing of like the specifically the post carter design um it's not just self-respect. I think it's just the average person who is being spit on and walked all over. It is not just a lack of self-respect. It's also feeling completely alone. This is all designed to make you feel completely alone and suspect that you, if you, if they, if you're not the only person this is happening to, you're the, t- if, if this is happening to you, you did something wrong. You fucked up in some way. You didn't do the right form you didn't pay attention when you should have. And that makes it innately impossible to form a common cause out of this. Cause it's like, Oh yeah. What are you going to, are you going to, are you going to caucus with the other people that fucked up? But I don't know. Maybe there have been enough things that tell me that maybe people don't feel quite as alone as they did. 
and the like on this issue specifically is about as is as bad as like as big an issue as, as does exist in our politics and culture, but also one in which it could not be more clear on which like in terms of like do we live in a democracy or not can like where some or right this fundamental can be taken away by that small a minority of people against the against the wishes of the public, and like I said, we'll see what happens. But like for for all intents and purposes now, like they've done it. It's it's worked. They've gotten away with it. And like the be- the the best that we have to offer, or like that our our leaders say, the best that can be done about it is continue to vote. And then like in thirty years time, maybe there'll be like a majority big enough to undo it. Yeah. But what happened? I mean, like again, what would happen in those intervening thirty years to like give you the the idea that like <laughs> we'll even have elections anymore after that? I mean, I, I I don't know. But it's just a question of like how much can be taken away from people before uh, they decide to um, they they like, they don't have anything to lose by you know breaking with what were heretofore thought to be impossible or unthinkable uh, you know uh, actions to protect themselves or just to uh, stand up for themselves. I don't know. Uh, but, you know, the answer is, yes, obviously you should be able to protest in front of a politician's house. And I don't care who, which fucking politician it is. And I don't care what like what cause is doing it. I mean, like that that's should be like the basics of like, do you live in a free society or not? I don't, even even if it doesn't do anything, even if it doesn't actually affect change. Just like, are you allowed to express anger at the people ruling you or not in a way other than other than voting against them? Well. I know things look uh, pretty bleak here on the old Chapo Trap House. You know, no food for babies. You know, COVID is killing more people than ever. No money for vaccines either. They're running out of vaccines, not going to have any new vaccines. Uh, Plenty of money for war in the Ukraine. Uh, Fundamental rights being taken away from us. So the question is like, you know, what do we have to look forward to? Is there there someone out there? Is there a hero? Is is there someone who's going to change the world and redeem humanity? Well, friends, I think there might be. We've talked about it before. Avatar 2 is coming out. Yes. James yes, Cameron, the threat that all threat, like the years and years have gone by. Years have gone by since the last Avatar movie. We haven't heard much about James Cameron, but he's been there. He's been working. He's been working nonstop to redeem humanity via Avatar 2. To do a, 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 uh, a simultaneous civilizational mind jump to Pandora. By exposing us to the most intense sensory experience possible, frame and rates you know, that will literally drive you into a psychotic break with reality, reemerging in a newly enchanted land. Yeah, gonna happen. Yeah, yes. In in two thousand nine, he caused people to become depressed and uh, despondent that that they did not live in Pandora. After over a decade of technological advancement. And oh my God. Uh, it, it, I think people will actually transform the world into Pandora, possibly. Yep. I, you know, I it's think. It's a giant Stargate he's building in all those IMAX theaters. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I think that, like, everyone kind of agrees that, like, at least after 2021, after, after things had splashed down and moved around a bit, uh, after 2021, it, it seemed like it would be kind of impossible to accomplish COVID zero. Who knows if it could have ever been accomplished? I know who could have accomplished it, though. The yep. greatest administrator on planet Earth. The Napoleon of our era. 
if he ran for president, if he was just seizing power, I would not just like vote for him or march for him. I would say I would like sell both my gaming PCs. Absolutely. And give James it, like, Cameron, give it to him. I would trust him with the absolute power of like a temporary Cincinnati style dictatorship because we know what his values are. He's told us in the films and they're good. And we if we could just let him do it, we would all be better off. He is the one person who could solve every institutional problem. Yep. The the and, one man. He is the one man with the temperament, the character, the administrative ability. He's practically run a country for the last ten years. The production yep. of the Avatar movies is is a, hopefully a staging ground for him running an, an entire nation of hundreds of millions of people. And who who has done a comparable job? Nobody. That job that's the thing. That's why he's our Napoleon. Because the job of Napoleon, the job of world bestriding emperor and, and conquer, you, that doesn't really exist. We, we, we've, we've created an a, a economic order that can't facilitate that kind of thing. But this, those people with those abilities exist, those drives, and where, what can they do? The closest thing you could do to commanding an army in the battlefield in the, in the early 19th century is commanding thousands of people towards the specific vision that you have in your fucking head. And making it happen and, and it is, having it cross so many different disciplines, like all these different people marshalling all these different technologies to get this outcome. That is that is where our real visionaries are. And of course it is, because, you know, it's it's we've been eaten to entirely by the spectacle and our uh, we've replaced like the value of production with the value of consumption and, and, and just being flatter, flattened by what we're watching. Uh, and he's the best at it. And he should be in charge. And I got to say, when the trailer came out and I was seeing people on the timeline saying literally the exact same thing they said when the first trailer dropped for the first Avatar. Oh, this looks bad. This is like a PDC. What does he have to do to slap some fucking to slap some sense into you? Fucking this is like doubting Thomas sees Jesus and sticks his finger in the wound. And then he's like, I don't know. <laughs> no, yes. I am. What does he have no, to we, we do? Are, you absolute oafs! You just you fail to believe. You have your eyes are blind. You have blinded yourselves to reality here. I feel like I feel about James Cameron the way people who promoted cryptocurrency felt about you know Bitcoin <laughs> and yes. NFTs. I'm but like, but we it's never going to crash. It's only going to the moon. And here's the thing: I can hear the skeptics, the haters, the cynics say oh do chapo oh like you're always talking about how everything is now just like a, a technologically mediated um uh simulation of spectacle uh designed to entertain and distract you and that like oh like oh the metaverse is bad because it's just like you know uh, uh tech overlords just offshoring um all reality into like a digitally virtually managed um uh illusion by which your your own life can get worse. How could you possibly think that James Cameron and Avatar is going to redeem humanity? Isn't this just another metaverse? And the answer is, you fucking dolt, you moron, you philistine. Avatar, Pan, the world of Pandora looks like Pandora. It looks like that. The metaverse looks like worse <laughs> than Fortnite. Compare yes. the two. <laughs> Compare the two and tell me that one, yeah, yes, oh yeah, it's a movie. It's not real. Oh, wanting to live on Pandora. It's just a distraction. No. Pandora, James Cameron, Avatar will redeem humanity. 
and in, in a way that, that fundamentally the metaverse and everything else that we, we shit on uh, cannot, will not, and will is actually actively fighting. Here's another interesting point. Avatar, mega franchise, does not deal with the multiverse. Every movie now has, is about a multiverse. It has to take place in a multiverse. No, there's only one universe. It's the reality you live in. Pandora is that reality. Yeah. It could be. It could be if we put God Emperor James Cameron in charge of all aspects of Absolutely. society. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh my God. And also, uh, everyone shitting on the trailer. It's like, yeah, of course. For, parenthetically, that the trailer. It's not going to look like the movie is because the movie is supposed to be seen in a giant fucking screen in, 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 like I said, in a mind breaking frame rate. It's not supposed to be watched on your phone. It's, it's, it's not, uh, this is irrelevant basically. But even then those, in those few images we saw some of the most dense and weighty looking CGI, it's like, it feels like you are, yes, like watching an actual thing happened, which I'm sorry is just not what you get out of these Star Wars or uh, Marvel fucking shit shows where it's just green screen and it looks it the whole time. But like not what? only that, not only was it actually a good trailer, uh, all the people who were saying, in addition to that, oh, nobody asked for this. Nobody wants Avatar 2. Everyone saw it and then they forgot it. No cultural uh, landmark. No, no memes. Correct. But they, people who saw Avatar 2, they might, they, or Avatar, they might not talk about it a lot, but it's in their bones, and it has been awakened. How do we know that? 148 million views in one day, baby, of that trailer. Yeah. People, no. you, you, he's going to do it. I'm sorry. Boy about to do it. People are going to go in droves to the movies. If, you know, the, the, the deep state hasn't collapsed the economy on purpose before that to prevent <laughs> that from happening, which we might be in the middle of that happening, and if that happens, all bets are off. But if we can still go to the movies this winter it's going to be in droves calling it right now if he if they do that even though he will project it on the fucking moon he will <laughs> he will he will organize he will he will fly in projectors herbie zip code in america so people can all witness it so people can witness their neighbors not on next door accusing each other of human trafficking for the first time in 20 years he will he will literally change the american social contract and i i, I think it's interesting i i think there is an angel and a devil on the shoulder of the modern man, the modern millennial man, median age 67. On one side is the devil, and that devil is the other man of this time. It's Mr. Big Things Coming, the biggest capper on the planet, Elon Musk. Yes, that's yes, exactly yes. correct. Yes, James Cameron is everything Elon Musk pretends to be. Not just everything he pretends to be. He is so, so has so much of his marketed qualities that he is, in fact, the complete opposite. Elon Musk, Mr. Mr. Big Big Cap, Big Things Coming, all he does is say things that he is going to do. Yep. Do those things ever happen? Never. No, they do not. No, they do not. If he says he's going to do it, it's already written in stone it won't happen. The only things he does are things that someone else has done that he doesn't talk about and then buys that thing and is like, I, oh, I, by the way, I did this. Yeah. If it's his idea and it hasn't happened yet, it will never happen. All he uses it to is to keep his stock artificially high and to scam government fucking subsidies. That's yes. That is entirely the play. Whereas James Cameron, what, five years ago now said, yeah, I'm making four Avatar sequels. 
And everyone's like, LOL, that's not going to happen. You will never do that, meme guy eating cereal. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, yeah, uh, I built a, built a fucking bubble city in New Zealand. I like, and, yeah, uh, and unlike, I unlike 500 new cameras and camera, made yeah. and wrote for myself, wrote myself four fucking sequels that I shot back to back to back to back. Fucking Musk is like it's it, oh I'm I'm building a new type of tunnel that uh sucks. Doesn't oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm making I'm making a new I'm making a new rocket ship that like works half the time. It always things he says like years out and then you see like a concept of him and people are like oh it's amazing. Meanwhile like Cameron after I think while making Titanic while already achieving this amazing administrative uh, a, a feat this technological accomplishment is like, oh, I, I have some free time. I think I'm going to invent a new type of submarine. And then just <laughs> fucking does it. He just, and then fucking, I'm, I'm going- like, he fucking, just fucking does it. Like, do you know how stupid most people in entertainment are? Like, if, 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 like, if it was like, if you kidnapped their assistant and they're like, you have to pick up your dry cleaning today, they would die. That's and, most people okay. in entertainment. And James Cameron is like, Oh, I it uh, according to my according to my uh, my abacus that I use, I have an extra hour on Sundays. Looks, that's perfect. That's enough time for me to invent a new type of fucking submarine that can plumb the depths of the earth. <laughs> and like, here's the other thing: lost knowledge. Unlike all of the other shittier imitation meta multiverses that we're entreated to be distracted by or to to enter in, like you know Marvel movies or whatever. Uh, like the thing is, like they're 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 chained to a production schedule that demands that like at least two of them come out every year, so that when it comes time to actually watch the big screen like laser battle or whatever, it's just like it's it's like dishwater, you know, mm-hmm. because like the, the the computers, the animation, it's just like they just got to get it out there. It looks flat and dead as hell. Whereas only James Cameron could not just have written himself, but spent like over a decade rendering a single bead of sweat that's featured in like a half second of, of, of screen time. And here's the thing, like, yes, Pandora is, it is a metaverse that we are being entreated to, to, to join. But here's, it's like Gnosticism. There is the false metaverse and then the true metaverse. Yes. <laughs> and then like, and then like we are, we are being distracted by all these, all these false multiverses that are, they're counterfeit. They're, they're gruel. They are a distraction. Pandora is the real metaverse. Yeah. It is a, and this is why, and this is why James Cameron, unlike capper of the century, Elon Musk, James Cameron will be the one responsible for extending the light of consciousness to the stars. Absolutely. And, because, and you know why? Because it's because the simulation, not just the simulation of reality that he's created. It is not just a perfect, like imagination expanding environment of which you can imagine being in. It is a vision that is like t- pinked to our real world of like what is possible if, if we change ourselves, if we evolve yes. our consciousnesses. We can pass through that veil in, into not the false simulation, but that we can pass and create for ourselves a better like, universe than the one we live in. Absolutely, because because yeah, this is this is the good. Oh, this is just the same worship, uh, uh, impotent worship of Musk. It's the same kind of fantasy of of being redeemed, you know. Uh, but in the Musk one, he does all the work, and then he just unveils new products for you to buy, and then you buy those products, and then everything works out, and it's all on him. With the Cameron fan vision, when you come out of Avatar and you are in Pandora. You have to act like you're in Pandora. 
That's yeah. what fucking saves us is the way that we behave not and not along the consumer access that will have us all making the rational economic choice to buy Elon's epic technology. Yes. We have to act out of something deeper than that fucking uh, shallow self-interest that is what is driving us into oblivion. It, okay. Yeah. I can either, I can, my, my, my actions in the real world and in my life and in my relations could be influenced by a wet dream re- rendered in fucking N64 or by alien spiritual Gaiaism uh, used through tales where you're the Viet Cong. Yeah. I mean, well, which one's going to be better? And like, you know, by the way, like I'm sure people will accuse us of hypocrisy, right? Because we made fun of how, you know, every every guy who uh, calls himself an investor professionally, it's been the dick riding Olympics for Mr. Capper, Elon Musk. We've made fun of that. We've, some will say, oh, how can you make fun of the concept of dick riding? And I will say we're not. Yeah. That they're doing the bad type of dick riding. That's we're the doing the good riding. They're, right, they're doing the dick riding Olympics. What we're doing is the dick riding Promethean struggle. Yep. <laughs> we, are, we're, we, we, we are dick riding the fire from the gods and bringing Absolutely. the light of humanity. And, I'm sorry. And then a falcon comes down and uh, we have to dick ride the falcon for eternity, but it's worth it. And like, you know, if it's James Cameron's dick, I'm throwing a saddle on that bad boy and just, my God, I just trotting away. This, the, the Sully's climactic riding of the Turok that allows him to lead the Navi into victory in battle against the earthlings. That is literally a dick riding scene. Yes. And you know, yes, dick riding. And, there's nothing wrong with dick riding in and of itself. It's like getting mad at the rain. It's going to happen. If there are types of people, you know, there are going to be guys who are dick road. There are going to be guys that dick ride. There are going to be people that do both like me. And it's you it just is it is it is like light and dark yeah when you're in the discursive space you cannot opt out of these uh these concepts is you the 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 let the the, the liberate like the substack fantasy is that you can operate by some sort of uh objective criterion that applies across everything and and like roots out these notions nope you got to pick a side and you have to go by like your gut and to the charges of hypocrisy among the little brains, the, 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 you know, just the, 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 like I said, the dolts, the dunks, the no tails, the, 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 the dullers. <laughs> yeah. The no tails. Here's the thing. Yes. What James Cameron is offering is a technologically mediated simulation of reality that we are like offloading our consciousness to. And some might say responsibility for the world we inhabit already. However, here's the thing back to Gnosticism. The reality that we inhabit already is a false one. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is the key component of movie mindset. Movies are an illusion of reality, but in their falseness, they are, in fact, the authentic reality. Mm-hmm. And the, what's so important about James Cameron and the fact that he is the American Napoleon and he's the one man I would trust with, like, Napoleon-like authority over, like, all aspects of the human economy, culture, and social life is that the false false reality that he's created is one that is so exquisitely detailed and rendered that like to break out of the false reality that we exist in you need a a, another false reality that is so powerful and so overwhelmingly immersive that that is the that is the only hope to uh, free ourselves from the shackles of this false reality that we that we that we interact in that we think is real yes here's the metaphor okay in the Dark Souls games, 
there are these things called painted worlds. And they are, they physically appear on the outside world as paintings, but you can be drawn, physically drawn into them. And they're a separate parallel world that exists outside the world that everyone else lives in. And they are, they are meant to be sort of a, a quarantine zone or a refuge for misbegotten things and people, people that have lost their place in the real world, the most bereaved people. Um, they are, supposed to be gentle places with gentle inhabitants that uh, either were feared by the gods or just lost their purpose out, out there in the harsh world. The problem with the painted world is that it always rots. It always rots and it must be burned down and a new painting m must be done. But sometimes the cycle is delayed. Sometimes it's interrupted by the vanities and delusions of the people inside the painting. And it isn't always reliable and it will always rot. But in the last game, your goal is to help a painter of the new world find the pigment. And that pigment that will allow a special new type of painting, the most, the, the most calming, cold, cool painting that can house humanity forever. While the outside world dies, while we reach entropy outside, this painting will last forever because it will be painted with the dark soul of humanity. The pigment mm -hmm. of the dark soul. Mm -hmm. James Cameron yeah. is paint. The, the metaverse, all this shit, Twitter, everything, Marvel, fucking, even Ray Donovan. That's the old painted <laughs> world. That's the old painted world. It it just rots. It rots. I'm sorry. It just rots. And we we can no longer burn things down. We're just living in the rot. We have no ability to burn down the painting anymore. One man can paint with the dark soul of humanity. What makes us good and bad? That's James, and he will he will give humanity a cool, gentle place. Okay, the world outside dies. Felix, you say a cool wait, wait, a cool, a cool, gentle place, a tranquil world, a, a calm hue, a calm pigment. Avatar two, the way of the water. It's mm -hmm. all it's all just a nice, beautiful ocean blue, a nice clear, yep. clear white sand, just crystal clear ocean water. Yep, and if you want to say. Uh, what are you guys going to say after Avatar 2 comes out and we all see it and we don't transform the world into Tandora? Well, that's what Avatar 3 is for, motherfucker. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, if that wasn't know. enough, that's just setting us up. It's another stage as we go through the, the occult ritual to uh, create internal alchemy. And if yeah. it takes three movies, it takes three fucking movies. It takes four How about movies. four movies? I mean, he made four. Why'd he make all of them? Maybe we need to see all of them. Before it happens, or maybe it all happens after the second one. I don't know. All I know is, as long as I'm stuck on this hamster wheel, that's going to be my the the Avatar films are my uh, my my uh, horizon as a as a veal calf. Oh, why are there hadiths after the Quran? <laughs> that's what you sound like. What all of you sound like. The only way to destroy our false reality and and undergo collective evolution as a single organism to uh yeah to begin the process of real alchemy true spiritual alchemy and liberation is through the creation of the most perfect mind expanding false reality ever yet created indeed it would Everybody not shock fuckers yeah it, it would not shock me if like you know similar to titanic this movie comes out it's the greatest success ever in the history of movies but 
also, just like how after Titanic, he, you know, he's like, oh, I uh, invented a new submarine. This time, the stakes higher, more, more technological advancement. I think Cameron's superhuman knowledge and ability only stacks with time. It, it grows Absolutely. exponentially. This time, he's going to be like, by the way, I made an Erd tree. I made a, the tree of life where the roots extend all through Earth, and it will be sprouting in your town soon. <laughs> by the way, I, I, yeah, I did that. By the way, I made a, I made the runes that govern Earth. <laughs> oh, thank you, Mr. Cameron. If you're out there, just we're waiting. We're 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 wait. All of we're humanity re- we're is ready. Waiting. We're ready. Yes, we are ready to undergo collective, like collecting the evolution of a collective organism. We are ready, sir. Because that's the other thing. We are a collective organism. We're all Jake Sully. We're all James Cameron. There, there, there is there like you know the 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 hand is not a part of the body. It's not. It's, mm-hmm. It is a part of the body, not apart from. Yeah. So like you know, it's just we are all James Cameron. We are all Jake Sully. The, this world is Pandora, but we but we need to. Uh, we we are working to achieve that, but we, but we need leadership. We need your leadership, sir. Yes, I will literally. I will sweep the floors. I will. I. I. I can't imagine you like drink coffee, sir. It just seems like to like, you know, like J. Like J. D. Vance or Lee Schreiber. Like a normal person does that. You probably drink a <laughs> type of fluid that you invented that I could not even comprehend. So I would get that for you. I would do anything to be a part of your project. Please write the green book. i believe it would be the blue book yes please write the blue book replacing the previous governing book of america kelly's blue book (laughs) uh well yeah so no hope no hope i know things look bad now i i I, I know we're we're all feeling a certain level of fear and despair but like you know like in, in in the power of the human imagination is the power to create any world to transcend any any of this false reality if only we just like collectively utilize it together mm-hmm. so james cameron we salute you sir you will you like i said james cameron will be the human the human being who will extend the, the light of consciousness to the stars not capper of the century elon musk yep he's gonna absolutely own that motherfucker you don't think he'd be in the stocks and in the James Cameron Imperium every day? <laughs> oh my god! Like, oh my god! That would be his trial. Once, once Cameron is like, you know, the I, not Elden Lord. I think he's like the God King. After that, um, the trial of Elon Musk, the loathsome, the loathsome meme maker. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm being dead serious here. Like for for any of Elon Musk's biggest defenders, name a single thing Elon Musk has accomplished in his life that is even one one millionth as valuable for our shared humanity as Terminator Two. Can't do it. None. Can't do it. Sorry. Done. Nothing. Oh, Nothing. he invented. No- he, yeah, he invented a subway that's deeper underground and seats less people. And it carries like, no one, one person. ever used. Okay, yeah, thanks, dude. Awesome. Oh, you you invented an, you invented an interstate that's two hundred feet, two hundred miles underground. You're amazing. Wow. Oh wow, you've you figured out a cheaper way for the NSA to put more spy satellites in orbit. Congratulations, dude. Yeah, yeah. You you allowed Ukrainians to have like fucking 56k that instantly gets them incinerated by russian artillery you're the man dude you're so good 
Hey, well, f- don't forget the uh, the cars that explode. Oh That's yeah, true. how many James Cameron films have exploded? Literally none. <laughs> They've probably done the opposite. They probably like saved people's well, lives. People could before they come out, people call them bombs, and then they never do go off. As opposed, oh, to, the opposite, once again about yes. Elon Musk. Yeah. No, yeah, Elon Musk <laughs> solved a solved a huge problem for humanity is that not enough cars were exploding and killing their drivers. Yeah, it's like I think if he did, if Cameron tried, like just did anything that Elon Musk dedicates his life to, he'd instantly be better at like Elon Musk goes to like Imgur or like Reddit and you know just I'm pretty sure just types in memes <laughs> and that's what he does. That's what he posts. But if like Cameron so got the inclination. And he was like, oh, uh, well, oh, I'm going to get into memes. He would just invent a new one. And it would it would be it would be called like conscientious bush dog. (laughs) And it would (laughs) it would call it would cause like long lost brothers to talk to each other again. It would (laughs) would reunite families. It would it would actually change consciousness as opposed to Elon Musk, who just posts like the dog from the dog meme. No, like. No, like James Cameron is creating a meme in like the um in the original sense of what meme uh, was meant to be, which was like it like a gene, but to represent something that is not like tangible and like a measure. It's a way for like I, how ideas evolve and species along with them. James Cameron's meme is the redemption of mankind through a kind of collective shift in consciousness. Primarily that, but I also think if he just wanted to make a bad luck Brian, I would cry and laugh and cheer during it. <laughs> All right. I think that does it uh, for today's episode. Um, yeah, just... Uh, we, we should do a movie episode on Top Gun 2 as well. Yeah, we should. I, I hear, I'm I, very interested in that. Because I, I apparently, apparently it's about like they have to hit like nuclear missile sites in Iran or something. Hell yeah. Awesome, <laughs> dude. Let's sop that up with a biscuit. And once again, like, I love you know, liberal he's, Hollywood. He, he's not, he's not at James Cameron's level, but like Tom Cruise, like he, he's a, he's a, he's a general in the Cameron army. Like he, like he, he is a guy that, you know, through Scientology and risking his life to, to make movies <laughs> is also auguring a, 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 a sort of paradigm shift in, in the, I in do the think that, uh, that at some point, uh, Cameron would have to free, uh, Cruise's slaves though. <laughs> yes yeah yeah well that would be like the haiti of it like hopefully he would make he would make like the better he'd make like a way better choice than napoleon did right he would like not fuck up where napoleon made like the uh, historically awful choice Huge bungle, cameron yeah. would make the right choice cameron yep. would liberate us all from those trillion year contracts <laughs> <laughs> if cameron cameron would like come back and be like okay yeah i actually like did talk to Zeno and every it was like all miscommunication Everyone's out of the volcano. <laughs> <laughs> uh, some some of y'all though, some of y'all are d- definitely going in the volcano in the, in the camera world. I'm just gonna leave any one of these. I'm just gonna leave it there. Just uh, just poo pooing him and saying he's gonna fuck it up like he never has once. It's like, uh you're asking for the volcano, buddy. Uh, People are so fucking stupid. Like all they do, like all they do, is like watch John Wick '95. And they're like, oh, there's a new room in the hotel. <laughs> no, well, there's about to be a new room in your brain. <laughs> All right, gang. Uh, let's let's leave it there for today. Uh, till next time, gentlemen. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye bye.